Saturday morning here, June 17, 2023, here in the 502, beautiful city of Louisville, Kentucky. This is your boy Rashawn Myers taking care of you this morning here on Wake Up 502. Uh, so glad to be back in the saddle, back in the studio. Out last week um, was uh, taking a beautiful, beautiful vacation uh, with my wonderful family down to Orlando. Uh, the mouse had to get a little bit of my money, uh, but, you know, it was well worth it. The kids had a wonderful time, uh, so, you know, definitely hated being away from the microphone, but I always love spending time with them, uh, so, you know, definitely get, got to recharge the batteries a little bit. Now it's going to be uh, the grind of the rest of the uh, the summer uh, as, you know, getting ready to diagnose and break down all of this news, Louisville football, Louisville basketball, UK basketball definitely is going to be a big time uh, topic of discussion this morning. NBA news all over the place. Um, so definitely a lot to get into. Um, Got to give a big shout out uh, to, to my son uh, Cameron and uh, the Holy Cross boys basketball team. Uh, they are down there at the uh, um, KBC shootout uh, down in Shelbyville. Uh, Holy Cross did pretty well yesterday. They knocked off um, lo local team here, the Jeffersonville Red Devils. Uh, sorry, Jeff. Uh, had to go ahead and, and, and knock them off. They unfortunately did lose their second game of the day against uh, Western High School, but they do uh, kick things again uh, today, this afternoon, against Ohio County. So very excited uh, to watch Holy Cross continue to do their thing as well. So I have had to give them a shout-out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the radio all the time. So, you know, I got you always got to, you know, they always say help your friends and hurt your enemies. So got got to give uh, Holy Cross a little bit of uh, a shout. You know, Mike Loftus and uh, Jacob Hans. 
Hand and of course Cameron Myers and uh, you know Andre Woods and the rest of those fellas. Uh, so just a big shout out and good luck to you guys today as you can continue your journey in the tournament down there. Uh, so did definitely want to uh, say that before we get going. But I tell you what, man, we have I, I, I went in. You all know I like to always start the show and and the, the music the the musical selection usually will have something to do uh with the topic of my show today and of course if you want to give a call in to discuss or a text in to discuss anything that you hear today of course the best two ways to get involved the best way probably um would be the uh, thornton's text line that's 502-414-1450-502-414-1450 that is the thornton's text line you can reach out to me there um um, you know, and uh, definitely shoot me those texts. Uh, make sure you go and visit any of the 82,634 local area Thornton's locations for the best in gas, grub, goodies, uh, snacks, uh, anything that you can think of. Thornton's can get you taken care of there. Uh, make sure you do that. And then, of course, you can also give a call into the Wake Up 502 buzz line. That's 502-384-1450. That's 502 502- 384 uh, and you can talk with Timmy live. Uh, the Haven Harrington um, is out on a Juneteenth bike ride this morning, so he's told me that he may actually call in from the bike ride, like literally as he's riding the bike. Um, I don't know if that's the safest thing to do is to try to talk on the phone while you're biking uh, in a group. But, you know, Haven has insisted that he may try to do that. We will see if that actually happens. Um, I know that we uh, also expect to hear from Joe Kelly this morning. So the fellas uh, did uh, say that they were going to try to check in. But thankfully, um, there's a lot going on. So even if those guys, uh, you know, if they get held up or if Haven, you know, doesn't want to try to break his neck out there riding and talking on the phone at the same time, we have plenty to get into. So I'm going to lean on you, the uh, listeners, to kind of – co-pilot the ship today i have a ton to get into and y'all know i like to talk so i can absolutely um fill time but i i would love to hear from you uh to discuss all of these things um that are going on in the world of sports um so definitely give me a call or a text if you want to get involved in the show uh but yeah as i said i always like to start the show um with a musical selection that kind of encapsulates what i want to talk about today uh, and I did go with the end of the world as we, as we know it, uh, the old REM song. And, and the reason I went with that, um, if you all follow me on Twitter, that's uh, at Rashan, R-A-A-S-H-A-A-N. Um, <laughs> I, I put a tweet out um, saying and basically discussing uh, the two Power Five conference teams that um, are still kind of focused on the freshman-laden or the freshman-led teams um, are right here in the Commonwealth. Uh, University of Louisville and University of Kentucky both are probably the two highest-level, well-known power conference teams that are really, really, really focusing on you know, what used to be the the hottest thing was getting the the hot shot freshmen, loading up with a lot of young talent um, and basically building a team around that young talent. That that, um, procedure and process over the last, you know, several years has really started to go by the wayside. Um, And, you know, can, you know, even John Calipari at at UK had kind of gotten away from it a little bit, but he decided to kind of, uh, getting his way back machine and, and do the, you know, high, high level uh, freshman class and see if he could, you know, take a team of young, young players 
uh, and win with them. Uh, and that was kind of what he wanted to do this year. Came in with uh, the megawatt, uh, you know, su- high school superstars, DJ Wagner, Robert Dillingham, uh, the, you know, uh, the Edwards and, and the rest, Aaron Bradshaw, uh, Reed Shepard, all those guys. And he really wanted to kind of bring in and feature this this big-time freshman class. And, of course, we know Kenny Payne at the University of Louisville um, did the same thing, uh, you know, bringing in a big group of freshmen um, or almost freshmen uh, when you talk about Scott Clark, a guy who only has about 13 games of college experience. So, you know, those guys I still consider uh, to be freshmen as well as, uh, you know, Dennis Evans, uh, Trenton Flowers, uh, and the rest of those guys. So you have two extremely, extremely young teams, probably two of the youngest, if not the two youngest Power 5 teams out there. I don't know the numbers specifically to verify that they are the two youngest Power 5 teams out there, but I, I can pretty much guarantee they're in the top 5 to 10 youngest teams in the Power 5. Um, and, and it's and it's kind of been it's going to be a, a an experiment, right, to see if that's going to be something that can still hold up um, you know, in this new era of college basketball. And if any indications are, are true early, especially on uh, the U.K. side, um, I, I really feel like this may very well be the last time that we see uh, one of these kind of super, super late, uh, heavy laden freshman teams uh, for the foreseeable future. I mean, it's definitely become because of, you know, the, the when you have a final four that includes so many non-traditional powers, uh, you know, we see teams like Florida Atlantic make a run. We see teams like Miami make a run, San Diego State, uh, and of course, UConn winning the championship. When we see a a group of four teams, and basically the the overriding factor with all four of those teams was, you know, experience, uh, big-time veteran transfers, um, and just basically old teams uh, making these serious runs, especially leaning on a ton of transfers and a ton of new guys and new faces in new places. Um, or I guess old faces in new places would be a better way to say it. Um, that really starts to, you know, we, we live in a copycat league, especially in sports. Uh, everybody wants to copy what is successful. And I think we've seen that uh, with Arkansas and Alabama and the way they've recruited this offseason. We've seen that, um, you know, with Duke and a lot of the, uh, the, the big-time powers where the most coveted recruits now, where it used to be going out there and finding and getting as many, um, you know, lottery pick type freshmen that are, you know, the, the, the new hot name on the block, that was kind of the, the, the archetype, right? That was what Duke was going out and doing. That's what Calipari kind of built his thing at Kentucky on. Um, Ohio State, you know, with uh, Greg Oden and what we saw those guys do. That kind of became the new hotness for about a decade where everybody wanted to get the hot shot freshmen, you know, you wanted to kind of build around them and you would have three or four of those big time freshmen if you could do that you had a shot to both uh you know have a special season and hopefully make a run riding that talent um but in the the era of the transfer portal and and it started kind of with the the one-time transfer of the uh, graduates Uh, once they started doing uh the graduate transfers and we saw guys like damian lee and trey lewis start to make those moves and carly jones a little bit further down the road Things started to change. Um, And after a Final Four where you had so many high-level 
transfers coming in, especially once they open the door to not only graduate transfers, but then they open the door to uh, regular standard transfers, basically saying that any kid um, could make that move and not have to sit out. That, may, that was a fundamental change in the way the game was going to be recruited. Um, and I think that that's a serious, serious situation because not only now do you have to uh, keep an eye on uh, every team and uh, the teams that you come against, maybe some of these lower-level mid-major, low-major teams that you face during the year, um, now you're having to worry about your own team as well. And I, and I just think that because now you're having to recruit your own team, and if you piss off somebody on your own team or they're not getting enough playing time, uh, they may be motivated to make a move or, or to slide on elsewhere. Um, but you're also having to look at everybody else. So then now all of a sudden where, uh, you know, 10 years earlier, all these coaches were focusing on was the, the, the new hot freshmen and who they could get out there. And, you know, like coaches are right now out on the uh, recruiting trails watching the next hot shot freshman. Uh, you know, while that used to be their primary focus, it really feels like those hot shot, quote unquote, freshmen have fallen to about the third rung. And I think one of the things that always what has always been a part of recruiting these freshmen was uh, especially for the elite kids. OK, the kids that are the top 30, the top 20, the top 10. Um, especially the one of the things that always came along with recruiting uh, freshmen uh, of that level was always the um, baggage that went along with it, the baggage that went along with recruiting the best of the best. OK, but of course, you needed to do that to win. And when I talk about baggage, I'm talking about, you know, the, the helicopter parents. You know, not everybody is LeVar Ball, okay? But, you know, there's always, especially with top kids, there's always, the, you know, the hangers-ons, the uncles, um, you know, the, the, now the agents, uh, you know, all of the parents that, that expect that, you know, this is going to be, the, the, their kid is going to be the next NBA superstar. Their kid is going to be the next big-time player, um, and he's going to make that one-and-done jump to the NBA. And, you know, that's kind of the baggage that comes along with those hotshot freshmen. But if you wanted, you know, you had to play the game, right? Like that was part of it. And, you know, we've kind of seen that situation. And I am focusing on UK at the moment because we've seen that baggage kind of once again play out. Coach Calipari over the last couple of years has had to deal with a lot of baggage with these superstar freshmen. Of course, we remember Shaden Sharp, um, who made a midseason uh, commitment and enrollment at UK. And, you know, Shaden was uh, considered to be the number one shooting guard in his class, um, enrolled at UK in, in mid-semester and, you know, was going to go come into Kentucky and start working out and start playing with the team. The plan was not for him to play, but the plan was for him to kind of get a jump start on his college career so he could be with the team, learn the offense, and then ultimately the following season he was going to play. 
Well, of course, we all know what happened. Shaden Sharp was at UK for six months, found out that he was eligible for uh, last year's NBA draft, and he jumped in the draft without ever setting foot on campus. And, uh, you know, Calipari was having to deal with Shaden. Um, Shaden definitely got some very nice NIL compensation uh, for enrolling at UK. Um, you know, you're having to deal with all that. You're having to deal with questions. You have this young man uh, in practices. So, of course, the media wants to know, man, this kid looks good. He looks amazing. He's an amazing athlete. Is there a reason why he can't play right now? So, you know, that there's a lot of um, focus that comes with recruiting and, and uh, bringing in these high-level kids. And, you know, Shaden Sharp was, was one of the guys that, that had a lot of issues. Jared Vanderbilt, we remember when he was there dealing with a, some injury issues, and there was a lot of questions about if Jared was really hurt, um, if this was just a, a ploy for him to not, to not hurt his draft stock. Um, you know, we, we saw that whole situation play out. We remember Hamadou Diallo was another mid-season transfer that joined UK um, that ultimately uh, made that jump as well. So we remember these guys coming through. UK and, and you know that was always the thing that was worth it right that used to always be you had to deal with the mess that came with recruiting high level players and we've seen it you know once again this year uh, with Aaron Bradshaw uh, coming through another uh, um, another uh, employer uh, he employs Clutch Sports uh, 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 Agency um, which was also the agency that represented Shaden Sharp um, we get the news uh, yesterday that um, Aaron Bradshaw is dealing with a fracture in his foot. They say it's a hairline fra fracture. Um, Aaron Bradshaw um, seemed to be making light of it. But anytime you have a young man that's Bradshaw size who um, comes in at about seven foot seven two somewhere in that area, you always get worried about you know the 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 big time seven foot guy, right? That has the foot injuries. That is something that is not to be played with. We've seen it play out time and time again. And while Shaden Sharp, uh, you know, put on his own doctor's stethoscope or whatever, and basically said, ah, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, I'll be able to come back in, uh, you know, four to six weeks. It's no, no biggie. Um, while the young man feels like, you know, at least from what he says, he wants to get out there and play. And, of course, you know, you're, these are young kids. What do kids want to do when they love doing something? They want to get out there and they want to play, right? So I, I don't have any doubt that Shaden – or excuse me, Shaden Sharp uh, – that Aaron Bradshaw wants to get out there. But I would have to think that, you know, both from the agency standpoint, uh, from his parents or support group standpoint, that – Everybody understands that anytime you're dealing with a foot injury uh, with a, a big man, um, that is something that tend, you know, most folks tend to believe that they're going to handle that situation with as much caution as possible. I know KSR sent a tweet out yesterday, yesterday saying that they expected the injury to keep, uh, keep Bradshaw out four to six weeks. Um, you know, so, uh, there's a big question around him. So, but once again, this is kind of the hoopla and all of the attention that comes with um, recruiting the best of the best. So you have this whole Aaron Bradshaw situation and everything that's going on with him. Okay. You've continued to have, and, and you know, this is coming on the heels of the conversations about the possibility of Aaron Bradshaw decommitting and joining Brady James at USC uh, out there in Southern California. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of, 
news. None of it really good about UK and and Bradshaw for a good little while. There's been a lot of smoke. There's been a lot of questioning. There's been a lot of everything around this whole, whole Bradshaw situation. Um, Robert Dillingham was another one that uh, that you know another top freshman that he had that Calipari got committed. Um, there's been constant talk about you know will Robert Dillingham end up at the University of Kentucky? Will he decommit and join Overtime Elite or or is he going to make that jump to the G League and, and play, uh, you know, with, with the, the elite G League squad uh, and kind of follow that pathway? Is he actually going to come to Kentucky? Um, and that's been a conversation as well. So Calipari has g- continued to get what you get when you recruit these elite kids. But now the dynamic has changed, right? Because we've always understood that with recruiting these young guys like that, there's going to be that baggage, but it, you, the juice used to be worth the squeeze because this was the kind of the blueprint for what you needed to do to have a successful team. But now that calculus has changed. What we've seen in this last Final Four is that with the, the one-time transfer and with the graduate transfer still being a big part of it, grown men are what's winning games. Okay, and being able to go out there and get the best players from some of these mid-major teams or going to get some of these guys that maybe fit your system that already know how to play defense at a collegiate level. And, you know, when you when you're dealing with juniors and seniors in college, you're definitely dealing with players that aren't. I don't want to say they don't come with baggage and they don't come with helicopter parents and they don't come with people that are invested in their success. But as older people and as mature people, they have their heads on a lot straighter. They understood, you know, when you're in college for three years, four years, you're focusing not on like, yeah, I like playing basketball, but I need to get ready for the rest of my life if basketball is not ultimately going to be what I do for the rest of my life. When you have kids coming in out of high school, everybody thinks they're going to be a one and done. Trust me. And it's not just the top kids. Almost every kid, you know, that I covered when I was working with Inside the Ville, everybody thinks they're going to be a pro and everybody thinks they're going to the NBA. And, you know, when you're dealing with kids that are coming straight out of high school, they just have their heads in the clouds. It's natural for young people of that age. Uh, So, you know, you have kids with their heads in the clouds. You have parents that are, you know, seeing uh, these kids or, or, or uncles or family members that see these kids as their meal ticket. So there's a lot more um, angst. There's a lot more emphasis put on it. Whereas when you're dealing with guys that are graduate transfers, people that have graduated college, people that have three or four years, while there is still a lot of people and backing behind them, there's a lot more substance there, and there's a lot more reality there. So it's not as big of a circus. And you're also getting better players. And as I look at that and I, as I think about that, I feel like this is maybe the end of something. People are, are definitely paying attention to what's going on with Calipari in Kentucky right now. Okay, John Calipari is paying attention to it. Uh, the, the rest of the country is paying attention to it. They are seeing this circus. They are seeing a team that is extremely shorthanded. John Calipari only has eight guys, uh, scholarship guys, on the roster right now. Okay. Of those eight, six are freshmen. Okay. And then he has two guys coming back that played very little 
You got Onyenso uh, and uh, Adu Thiero. Okay, two guys that did not that weren't in the rotation and did not play much. So you're dealing with an extremely young team, a team that's more than likely going to take a while to come around. And now you add to it this Aaron Bradshaw saga, which you know I have to question if Aaron's going to ever play. For, for UK. I mean, because we've seen this before. Like I said, not only um, is there the investment of let's protect this guy and his draft status and you don't want to, because he's a big man, you don't want to put him out there too early. We don't want to risk the chance of re-injury and we definitely don't want to have him hurt come time to get ready for the NBA draft. That puts into serious doubt if he will ever play. But when you have to focus on bringing in this many young people and high-level young people that come with so much baggage and so much of a circus around them, you know, I really and truly believe that Calipari has got to be believing at this point that the juice is not worth the squeeze of all this um, hoopla. I mean, at least not, not so far. Now, who knows? Like, it's still the summertime. Things can get better. Maybe Aaron Bradshaw's right. Maybe he's back in six to eight weeks, and it's not that big a deal. Okay, maybe everything works out. Robert Dillingham and, and DJ Wagner are ready to go. Um, you know, things work themselves out, and, and it's okay. But right now, UK's program looks to be in trouble. Uh, they look to be in a serious, serious spot right now um, where there's a lot of question marks surrounding that basketball team. Okay, and what's crazy? Y'all want to know what's really crazy? Is that the University of Louisville, their fans, and, and even though with everything that happened last year with uh, you know Kenny Payne and, and 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 crew, it seems like they may actually be happier with where they are. Uh, you know, in this, and I want to kind of co compare and contrast these two situations because the second team or the other team that's kind of got the young, uh, laden team is right here in the city in the 502, Floyd Street's finest, the University of Louisville. So it's a very, very interesting situation, and I'm going to dive into that next. If you want to get involved, 502 414 1450 is the Thornton's text line, 502. 384-1450 is the Wake Up 502 buzz line, and I'll hear from you next. This is Rashawn Myers, Wake Up 502, Big X Sports Radio, and we'll be back.
Welcome back in. Welcome back in to Wake Up 502, second segment of the show. This is your boy Rashawn Myers taking care of you. 96.1 FM is going down here on a Saturday morning. Uh, and, oh, looks like uh, we got a, a call into the text line. So just let's go ahead and jump right on into it. We are going to hit that right up. Uh, let's get them on here. Uh, caller, you are on the line. Your name? Go ahead, caller. I'm the architect. The architect. Don't I like me Haven. I like it. Oh, hey, uh, Haven. <laughs> now, uh, you you are out. Haven Harrington joining us here live on the air, 96.1. Haven Harrington, you were at the bike ride this morning, correct? Yes, I am your first annual Juneteenth bike ride. I'm riding a total of uh, 50 miles up Broadway and then down Southwestern Parkway to uh uh, the uh, Mormon landing and all the way back. So, yeah. Wow, you said fifty, my. You, you said fifty five zero. Yes, five zero. My number is short, Woo-hoo. and probably like thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. And so, so you're out there on the bike ride right now. Like, I, 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 I was taking bets to see if you were actually going to call in while riding this bike. So, how are things going with you? Hey, Okay, nice. Only 40 more to go. <laughs> I know, right? Well, Haven, so, so who's uh, who's running this? Uh, who's running the bike ride? You want to give any shout-outs to any of the good folks that you're riding with today? Yeah, I only give a big shout-out to, to my homegirl, Kenya Turner. She's been putting this on for four years straight. Uh, so this is a, a work, a passion for her. She's an avid cyclist. Uh, weightlifter, all around fitness guru, so this like right for Allie. This has been all awesome. for like 65 to 70 people uh, who's riding with us. I can't see it now because they all passed me up. But there was like 55 to 60 people uh, earlier today riding around, so it's, it's been an awesome thing. Wow, wow. Well, I, I tell you what, I appreciate you calling in this morning, Haven Harrington. You know what I'm saying? Get checking in. I didn't know if I was going to hear from you, but uh, I don't want you to go trying to ride your bike, talk on the phone, and crash into a, a, you know, a, a light pole or something. So I, I appreciate giving a call. We are talking UK basketball, you, uh, you know, and all this stuff going on with these freshmen. So, you know, we got plenty to chat about this morning, but I do appreciate the call in, brother. But thank you, thank you. This is going to be like a, a bad, uh, uh, I'm going to say episode, not episode. This is going to be a uh, sequel to False Baby without a young team playing each other this year. Hey, People are transferring out, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but Kenny Payne's got to like his chances. That's all I know. <laughs> we going to Hey, thank you. Your dog rides down. Yeah. Your dog rides down. Yeah, yeah, we got we got to see. I like I, I, you know, Aaron Bradshaw he broke his foot, so you know that big. He's seven foot two. You don't like him when big men start breaking uh, bones in their feet. So I don't know if we're gonna see Aaron Bradshaw. Oh, no. this year. It'll be 
Yeah, yeah, Greg Oldham. Yeah, Greg Oldham. Yeah, Greg Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know if we're going to see Aaron Bradshaw for UK this year, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, like I said, but no, nah, hey, but go ahead. Do your thing, man. Go, go ahead. I don't want to keep you. I don't want to slow you down. You got the whole pack passing you up. You get out there. You get on those roadways, brother. And uh, we'll check in with us uh, what, once, once you're done with the bike ride or I'll see you a little bit later on, all right? I'll be calling from the University of Illinois if I make it. So, yay. <laughs> there it is. Hey, I appreciate it, Evan Hanson. I'll talk to you then, all right? All right. All right, my brother. <laughs> wow, he actually called in, y'all. I, I did not want to see that. He was making me nervous, though. You know, I had that's why I wanted to get him off the phone because I know he wants to call in. He wants to be a part of the show. He wants to give his input. But I don't want to be responsible for Haven Harrington trying to talk on the phone, laughing and, and like ride into traffic or something. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to. I don't. A, I don't want to hear it, and B, I don't want to feel like I'm responsible for it. So. You know, he's out there. He was y'all heard him. He was breathing all hard and and everything else. So you know, it makes me nervous him out there trying to talk while doing all this. So you know, I, I I'm just gonna I, I appreciate Haven calling in. He sounded like he was good and safe. But I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna make 50 miles though. I, I thought it was. I thought he said 15 when we chatted about. It, I thought he said 15, and I was like, oh well, 15 miles on a bike ride. That's not that bad. But he said 50, 5-0. I, I don't know if Haven's making that. Haven, Haven ain't as young as he used to be. But we're going to see if he, you know, we're going to see if he, he was training earlier this week. And he has this little bike riders costume, uniform, whatever they call that, that they wear, you know, that extra tight. You know, he, he looks like he's a bike rider this morning. I don't, you know, I don't know what that, <laughs> what good that's going to do him out there pedaling them wheels for 50 miles, but we will see. But definitely good luck to him. Big shout out to everybody on the Juneteenth, uh, on the Juneteenth bike ride. Um, all those great folks out there, um, you know, just uh, put, putting awareness out there to the Juneteenth holiday. Um, so just a big shout out to him and everybody out there. Keep it going, people. Uh, I'm definitely not getting on nobody's bike. I'll get out on a basketball court and shoot a basketball, but you know, like long range bike riding is not my forte. So I will leave that to them. Plus I don't think I look good in any sort of spandex, anything. So I'm not putting on one of those little onesies or whatever that they, that they wear. That's just not my jam. Uh, so I'm going to leave that be, but I tell you what, we also have texts coming into the, uh, Thornton's text line, five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Um, so I'm going to get, uh, get, get right to the, those, of course, if you want to be involved or you want to be next, um, you can give us give us that text in at the 502-414-1450 or give me a call. 502-384-1450. You want to talk about UK and, and my thoughts on that circus going on there. Is the juice still worth the squeeze? Uh, that is a big time question mark there. Um, you know, and, and also, uh, you know, what Louisville basketball is going to look like. And we're going to definitely get into that uh, here in a second as well. But Texter does text in, uh, says, good morning, wake up 502 main event, our culture. He says, welcome back from vacation. Thank you very much. Uh, but here's a couple of things to talk about. Uh, Zion Williamson, and uh, Mariah Mills uh, is some Jerry Springer antics. Oh, yeah. I know Haven has seen her videos. <laughs> yeah. Zion, you know what? And I'm going to get into that in the second hour. Yeah, that, that Zion Williamson stuff came out while I was on vacation last week. And I was seeing all these tweets of all this foolishness. Uh, 
I have thoughts on that. I, I, I do want, you know, people, we're talking about is the juice worth the squeeze with these high school kids and, and all the baggage that comes with those anymore. Um, I'm starting to wonder if the juice is worth the squeeze with Zion Williamson. And, and that has been on my mind all week. And as the NBA draft has, has gotten closer and closer, there's been conversations that the uh, New Orleans Pelicans are seriously considering um, the possibility of trading Zion Williamson, which it blows my mind on one side. But with everything that's been going on with him um, and the fact that he's not been available, uh, start to wonder if the juice is worth the squeeze on him. Um, and, and that is something that has weighed heavy on my mind. And like I said, I'm definitely going to get into that. But, yeah, it's definitely some Jerry Springer stuff. Like that, That all of that is just ridiculous. Um but yeah, 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 I, I agree with you. It, it's crazy. And Haven in the videos, I'm like, I'll let Haven Harrington answer that question. Uh, he said, also, <laughs> he said, how did Bill Murray pull uh, Kelly's in her milkshakes? Hey, Bill Murray, hey, y- y- y'all saw Peter Venkman, okay? Yeah, y'all saw Ghostbusters. Peter Venkman uh, had all the ladies. He was a smooth talking cat, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it does not surprise me at all that Bill Murray could, you know, get, get, get Miss Milkshake. You know what I'm saying? He he's a smooth cat, even though he's about seventy something years old. I don't know how how old is Bill Murray. Anybody know how old Bill Murray is? He's getting up there. Uh, but you know, hey, I, I got to give him credit. Got to give him props for that. I can't hate on that. Uh, he said uh, in football, um, I think if we get past North Carolina, the, the NC State game versus uh, he said the game versus Notre Dame should be game day. Um, but I know Alabama, Texas A and M is on that day as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if, you would think that if Louisville was undefeated uh, hosting Notre Dame, the only way that would be derailed that week would be by um, the Alabama-Texas A&M game. Um, obviously, Alabama and Texas A&M are two megawatt um, programs. So if, if Jimbo can do anything to have that team playing well, and you would think with the fact that you know, they did steal Ruben Owens from us, which I'm still not appreciative of. And they got Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator now. You would think the Texas A&M is going to have a bit of a bounce back um, and, and kind of, you know, after being up and down and, and struggling a bit last year, you would think that they would have a possibility. I don't know what Texas A&M's early season schedule looks like. I may have to um, look that up just to see what, what they're going to be dealing with. Um, but if, if they have an opportunity, like if, if Texas A&M and Alabama are undefeated going into that game, um, I, I think that's going to get the uh, – that's definitely going to get the, 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 the early season – Matchup. Let's see. They have. Uh, let's see. They start out the season. Uh, New Mexico. That should be a win. Miami, Florida. I mean, I feel like that should be a Texas A&M win. Louisiana, Monroe, uh, and Auburn. I mean, that's a very winnable schedule. And then they go to Arkansas. So I mean, I, I think the game at Arkansas would be probably the most difficult game, even though Arkansas isn't great. But I mean. Texas A&M is going to have a really good shot to be undefeated going into that Alabama game. And if you have an undefeated Alabama versus an undefeated Texas A&M and you have the Jimbo Fisher versus um, Nick Saban matchup, 
that's definitely going to be game day. Um, so the, the biggest thing that you can do is hope that Texas A&M falls on their face and loses at Miami and loses at Arkansas. If that happens, uh, then maybe Louisville has a shot to steal that. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's going to be the – um, that that's going to be where, where that possibility is going to come in. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to see on that. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. That, that A&M Alabama, that's, that's two big-time programs, two big-time coaches, um, a lot of storylines. Bobby Petrino back uh, in, in the Power Five, back in the SEC as, a, as an offensive coordinator. If he gets that offense jumping, if Reuben Owens – comes out and looks like the number one running back, and he's out there uh, making big plays for the Aggies, um, I could definitely see that getting top billing over Louisville Notre, Notre Dame. I, 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 at this moment, I would say it's more likely that A&M and Texas A&M, uh, excuse me, A&M and Alabama is probably going to get that. Um, just from, from looking at, at now, looking at A&M's schedule, I would say they would probably have a good maybe 60% chance to be undefeated going into that Alabama matchup. And if that's the case, that's definitely going to get uh, the, the game day. Uh, so I, I would say it's probably less probable that Louisville's going to get that game day more than it being more probable uh, at this point. But we shall see. Things can always change. Um, you know, I, I don't think that anything is set in stone. Um, so we'll just have to kind of see that. Uh, but I tell you what, before we get to the top of the hour, and definitely going to get back to your text if you want to get involved, uh, 502-414-1450, I would love to hear from you as well. I did want to talk about the Louisville side of this thing, okay, with these young players. And, and as we've talked about, you know, Kenny Payne, of course, um, has come in and kind of given that same uh, rhetoric and that, and that same kind of uh, – sales pitch um, that he learned from John Calipari talking about this is going to be about the players. This is going to be about helping young men reach their dreams. Uh, he's looking for dream chasers and all these types of things, kind of talking about he's looking to bring in young guys and help them achieve their goals of being uh, able to make that move to the NBA. And that, ha you know, this is the first year that we're going to see a team that has a lot of young people on there. When you talk about Trenton Flowers and Caleb Glenn and Curtis Williams and uh, uh, Dennis Evans and Trenton Flowers, uh, yes, Louisville has a lot of young guys. Trey White, who's a, a uh, going to be a second-year player as a transfer from USC. This is definitely going to be a young team, but uh, I feel like, most of these guys are players that are multiple-year guys. Like, I don't necessarily see any of these players as young as one-and-dones. Um, I want to give a big shout-out to Trenton Flowers, uh, the young man who reclassified from the 2024 class, um, was invited to the U19 tryouts. Um, he did make the first cut from the 30 down to the final 18. Um, but he did unfortunately not make the team, which is understandable. Um, you know, as I said, if Trenton Flowers was able to find a way to make it onto that top 12 roster, considering there were um, college freshmen uh, in that group, there were elite 2023 prospects in that group, there were um, high elite 2024 prospects in that group, that's a very, very tough group of candidates. Um, so just the simple fact that he made it, 
past that first cut is to be commended, considering that Trenton is a reclassification guy. Um, he is a younger player, um, and he did show very well for himself at the tryouts. There is definitely no shame uh, to not making that team. So I do want to make that point um, there that just the fact that he made it past that first cut and the fact that he did play as well as he did is to be commended. Um, he did, unfortunately, um, not make the team in the final 12-man roster. Um, and, and, and as I've said about Trent Flowers, I think that he is a very, very talented young kid. I don't know if he's a one-and-done prospect uh, as of yet. Um, so, like, when I look at this Louisville roster, I think that you're going to see most of these guys play a second year. Now, will that second year be at Louisville, or where will these guys look to make the move elsewhere? That's the reality of where we live now, right, um, in the one-time transfer era. So there is a possibility that, you know, several of these players could end up going elsewhere to continue their careers if they aren't jumping to the NBA. Um, but – I do think that Kenny Payne, this is this is probably going to be Kenny Payne's youngest team, and I don't know if we'll, we'll see another team um, as young as we will this year. And I think it'll be both out of just the function of having so many players that will be additional, uh, you know, will need additional time to become professionals. Uh, but then also just the simple fact that, as I said, with the, with the allure of the one-time transfer, I just think that it's going to be less and less – uh, of an advantage to go out there and get so many young guys. Now, that could be completely wrong, and maybe Kenny Payne wants to build his program the same way that UK did, uh, you know, when he was there early in his uh, time with UK where they are, you know, constantly churning out a new roster of young prospects, but I just don't think that that's the direction that we are headed in, and with a team that's already going to have so many uh, returning players, I just think that this is the, these last two teams, this UK team and this U of L team, this could be kind of the last that we see of these kind of super heavy freshman laden squads. Like it's not, I'm not saying that it'll never happen again, um, but just in terms of having teams that are completely and solely focused on kind of the freshman will lead them and a, and a small child will lead them, at least for um, the next several cycles, I think this is it. Um, so there's going to be a lot of attention paid to that. There's going to be a lot of attention paid on how these teams perform. Uh, you know, we all understand what Louisville's coming off of, coming off of a 4-28 season. So they definitely need to make a big jump up, and they definitely need to turn things around. And a lot will have to do with their success on the court. Will uh, my guess be on how this team is built moving forward? You know, and then to a further extent, who's coaching the team moving forward? And I think for UK, I I personally think this is it for John Calipari. Like, I think that there's no doubt that if John Calipari is going to continue to be the coach at the University of Kentucky, which <laughs> this. After everything that's happened this year, like I felt like Cal has only been just holding on the last couple of years, but the prospects of coaching DJ Wagner and understanding that he had the chance to put together this huge uh, team for 2023, I really felt like this was kind of the class that was holding Calipari there. 
Um, not saying that he was ready to retire, not saying that he was ready to leave, but I definitely think that with the issues that he's had over the last several years, uh, getting upset by the Peacocks uh, of St. Peter's, uh, you know, losing to Kansas State two of the last four years uh, in the NCAA tournament, not making a Sweet 16 since the, the 2019 season, which is crazy to say um, that UK hasn't been to the Sweet 16 since 2019. I just feel like this UK job starts to wear on you at some point. And I really felt like this job really started to wear on Coach Calipari a few years back. Like when they lost to Kansas State uh, four years ago, I really felt like that was one where he really started to contemplate his future. But, of course, that was kind of the first upset quote-unquote, like, really bad upset loss in, in the tournament after a while. Um, and while it wore on him, you know, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, that sucked, but let's keep it moving forward. But the next three years haven't necessarily been much more gracious to Cal. Um, so, you know, this was kind of seen as, okay, I know I got some studs coming in this year. We're going to be able to build around that. And now all of a sudden, uh, UK is sitting here, you know, with a very, very shorthanded roster. Um, Antonio Reeves and his saga, I mean, you know, what's going on with Antonio Reeves is absolutely, I don't know what's happening with that young man. You know, he's he was at Kentucky. Of course, he was a transfer over from Illinois State. Now word comes out that Antonio Reeves has enrolled in classes at Illinois State again because there were a bunch of his transfers that did not um, transfer to his uh, UK record. So he did not have enough credits to graduate. So now he wants to transfer out of UK, but he doesn't have the um, doesn't have the credits to, to graduate. So now he's back at Illinois State so he can become a graduate transfer. But it looks like he has way too many classes and way too many um, credits that he's going to have to get. So that doesn't look like it's going to happen. And my only question is, if you enroll in another school, are you able to still go back to Kentucky, or is there transfer rules that go into that? And B, does he want to be there? And C, does Calipari want him to be there? So, I mean, this whole Antonio Reeves situation is absolutely insane. Uh, you know, you add that to all of this freshman drama, and – I feel like Calipari is done with the freshman experiment. It, even if he does decide to come back and says, I'm going to give it one more try um, next year, and he's not ready to pull the plug on, on his U.K. tenure, I mean, the guy has a lifetime contract. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not expecting Cal to want to just throw away that money. But at the same time, man, I, I know that this has got to um, be wearing on him. Um, so it, it's very, very interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting to see uh, what UK does, but I think that Cal's going to be done one way or the other. I tell you what, we're going to go ahead hit our top of the hour break. Uh, this is Rashawn Myers. You're listening to Wake Up 502. Having a bunch of fun this morning. Uh, we will be back on 96.1 FM. When we come back, got a ton more to get into. We have uh, NBA uh, news, ton of it, NFL. So we'll be back on Wake Up 502.
howling, still bowling in the mix. It's that sex, while it's getting big, slim, it's getting in your cheek. Toilet's getting looking slick at all times when I'm flipping. Bar sipping, car dipping, Grant Wood grain gripping. Still tipping on still tipping on Welcome back in, welcome back in. Wake up 502, hour number two. It is an absolutely perfect day, and with the perfect day comes the perfect co-host. Welcome him back to the show, Mr. Joe Kelly at that boy's good. Joe, how you doing this morning? Uh, L-I-V-I-N, living, my friend. How about you? Man, you know what? It's a beautiful day, man. I'm, I'm, I'm energetic. I'm excited. It's the middle of the summer. My son's playing basketball. UK's having all kind of drama, which makes it very, very much fun for me because everybody been talking about U of L and laughing and pointing at them. So now I get to laugh and point at UK. So it's a beautiful day, brother. Man, this has been wild watching how just the tide has shifted against Cal over the couple, last what three years. It's crazy. I mean, Kyle Kyle Tucker claimed him yesterday. I don't. I try, I've been trying to stay off Twitter <laughs> uh, a lot more lately. Yeah, just because you know it's it's, it's not healthy. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I logged in yesterday and I saw basically Chicken Little from uh, from all my all my BBN follows and, and I saw Kyle Tucker. Uh, the last three years can only be described as chaotic, and I forget what other adjective he used. Then I went and kind of did some digging. So, what one of the one of the top ten NBA prospects has got a broken foot? And... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Bradshaw has a, a broken foot, and of course, Bradshaw seven two. You know, he's a big he's a big guy. And anytime you start getting into foot injuries with with big men. You know, you get scared. And, you know, like I said, Aaron's talking about, oh, it's no big deal. I'll be back in six to eight weeks. You know, that sounds good. I know uh, Matt Jones said that his people are telling him it's four to six months uh, is, yeah. is the prognosis. I wonder if, if we'll ever see Aaron Bradshaw play for UK. I mean, because, you like as you said, he's one of the top ten draft picks, uh, you know, considered to be for next year, you know, are his people going to let him get out there and have a chance to re-injure? Because that's the whole thing. Anytime we've been dealing with big men and feet, that's never a good recipe, right? Right. I mean, that goes all the way back as long as as long as I can remember. How many how many big men were taken down by lower injuries below the hip? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I still will argue this at, at, in any conversation that one of the most incredible things about how athletes put together these insane legacies is were they just lucky enough or physically gifted enough to stay healthy. And the more I'm watching and the older I get, the more appreciation I have for the fact that Shaq's, you know, his body kept up with him until he got to damn near 400 pounds. Yeah. And that just, that makes no sense. Uh, Sam Bowie, Bill Walton, Greg Oden. Uh, there, there's more that I'm not thinking of, but how many Collegiate All-Americans, players like Bradshaw, and I'm not comparing Bradshaw to, to Bill Walton or right. Sam Bowie necessarily, but having that kind of hype coming into college, how many of them have been derailed by you know, foot and ankle and, and knee injuries? Yeah, I mean, no, and that's one of the things I've said about Kevin Durant. I think I know he's been a little bit banged up or dinged up lately, but I mean, that's one of the things about KD—the way that he played and you know his physical stature, as skinny as he is—that's always been one of the things that amazed me is that he's held up for as long as he had, you know, w without having a bunch of injuries. I mean, the same thing I'd say about LeBron. I mean, LeBron is a big dude. Uh, uh, you know, when you're talking about six nine, you know, getting close to to two eighty, two eighty five. 
So you come along running the fast break. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's atypical for guys that big to be able to stand up. I mean, we've seen the injury issues that Zion Williamson's had. I mean, Zion's yeah. a young guy. You know, he's not as tall, yeah. but, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's pushing three bills. Yeah, even if uh, even if Bradshaw was coming to U of L, man, if I'm his people, I'm telling him, you're not playing this year. You have so much, you're not going to gain anything. You're going to gain a couple of spots, but coming off an injury, you're – they're probably already going to not drop you down a few selections. Right. Don't No, don't do this. Don't do this. Especially right now when, with Wimby coming over the, this season in this draft, everybody's going to be looking to draft the next seven-foot-two freak. Yeah. I mean, and, right, and look at Chet. For another lifetime. I mean, Chet Holmgren. I mean, just last year, Chet, <laughs> yeah, Chet comes call. out of Gonzaga, you know, and then he gets injured <laughs> in his first training camp with the Thunder. So, like, big men and, and, and foot injuries, leg injuries, it keeps popping up. We just had one last year. Like you said, well, you know, uh, Victor Wibanyama's just coming over. Like, I feel like there's no chance that we'll see Aaron Bradshaw this year. Like, it just, uh, with a foot injury, I just, I feel like you can't, take any chances with that and like i said this isn't about me wanting to just laugh at kentucky not having their guys and whatever else this is about that young man and just the fact that you cannot play around with those types of injuries because we've seen as you said so many careers derailed with that think about how how philadelphia placed joel Embiid in the bubble wrap essentially for a good portion of what his first four years in the league yeah absolutely i mean they really protected that that foot injury that he had and then he had a knee injury, and they just basically locked, they locked him down. Said, nope, we're going to make sure that he rehabs this fully. And then he has an MVP season. Yeah, I mean. And he's, he's, he's a top dude right now in his prime. But they were very, very, very meticulous in their handling of his injuries. And they weren't worried about what fans and what the media were saying about shelving him. Yeah, I mean, they handled it the right way. You know, you would think that if you would wonder what would have Portland been like if they would have handled the Greg Oden situation the same way um, because it definitely seemed like Portland, when they had Oden, um, they did, you know, wrongly and definitely, I won't, I won't say rightly or wrongly, wrongly tried to rush him back and he was never able to get healthy. Um, and, and, you know, that pretty much took one of the, the – you know, he was supposed to be the next – Big thing, you know, he was supposed to be the, the next great big man, and he never, never got healthy. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to take, um, you know, take those precautions. And then, you know, we're coming off just the announcement two days ago that Victor Webinyama is going to probably not play much at all in the, the summer league, the NBA summer league. Every, Why know. would he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and his season literally just ended last night. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I can't blame him for that. You know, I, if the Spurs want to shut him down and be like, you know, we'll get him ready for training camp. Why not? Right. Right. Especially if he's everything that he's hyped up to be. And, you know, I mean, I believe the hype watching him play. He does not look human. He, and looking at his measurables and, his, and you know, it, 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 it feels like when you're so good, when you're so much better than your little brother, you let him create a player on 2K, and then he just makes a seven foot four point guard. Right. <laughs> I'm like that, Cameron. That would never happen. Okay, like stop making seven foot dudes that can pull up and shoot threes, and you know it's gonna dunk right. on everybody. Like that's that that's never gonna happen until now. There, there's one specific play that I saw that just said, "Yeah, man, trade everything you have to at your franchise," and. and 
maybe like one of your children to get him. <laughs> that that contested alley oop where he rotates three sixty and gets the block. Yes. It's it's that that's no. If that happened to me on a video game, I'd throw the controller. Yeah. No, I, I tell you what it was for me, Joe, and and it, and it was a couple months ago. And they showed Victor, and he was he had his man faced up on the wing. He had the ball in his hands. He pulled up. <laughs> he shoots the three. He misses the three, but dunks back his own miss. Like it was I, I, un, like I saw Donovan Mitchell do that uncontested. You know, and, and thought that was the craziest thing I'd ever see, that he shot a three, hit the shot, and dunked the ball as it came through the net. I thought that was unbelievable. But the fact that Wibanyama could shoot a professional international range three and negotiate through traffic to rebound the miss and dunk it back all in one, you know, one move, it was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. That's, that's the other thing, too, that, that I think is so impressive about him. He's doing this in a, in a pro league. He's not doing this against other 17-year-olds or 19-year-olds. Yes. He's doing this against grown men. And every parent or player, of, every parent of a player or player I've spoken to that did any significant time overseas said, it's so hard. It's so hard because the NBA is, is a very loose game. It's, it's, it relies upon offense. It really hinders the defense. Overgrades grown men with, with grown men bodies. They're in the league still at 35 because they know how to, just rattle your jaw when they set screens. Oh yeah, it's it's a much more physical game. It's a much more nuanced game in, in some aspects than what you're getting playing in these summer leagues and, and the G League and, and all those warm up leagues. So it's not the it's not NBA talent, but I mean it's it's professional basketball. Absolutely, and he's doing it at this level at 19. No oh, man. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, what I, do you I, think? What do you what do you think the floor is on him? You know, it, it, this is one of those things where I always just have to say it, and I hate to say it, if he can stay healthy, I think that he is an absolute difference maker. Like the same impact that Kevin Durant had, I feel like he can have that same impact, but only greater because, you know, where Kevin Durant is, you know, right at, you know, 6'11", uh, 7 foot with his ability, um, you know, Victor's like 7'3", you know, get pushing 7'4". Yeah. You know, with with, with a, a crazy wingspan. Yeah, like with damn near an, an eight foot wingspan. Like, but the way he can handle, he can pull up on you know from in transition, and he's a very good rebounder and defender. Like that's the one thing that gets lost. Like people see all the crazy that they like to focus on. You know, a big man that can shoot the ball and can handle it the way he can. But he's a tenacious defensive player, and and, and that's, that's the thing. I, you know, that I think is absolute floor. And this is saying, like, if he can't necessarily stay healthy, but he but he can be serviceable. I think worst case scenario, you get a better Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah, I agree. Because he can sh- he'll shoot the three, and he'll defend the rim. I think that's worst case scenario what you're getting out of him. And everything in between will just say, "Damn, man, like, <laughs> this game has evolved." Absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, and, and as I've said, this this is a popular. This is not a, a, the most popular opinion. But he's playing in a much more physical league over in Europe than he's going to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. I, you know, I think I that's think one of the big really things. That. Oh, right. I mean, like that's one of the reasons why when when, when you look at what um um oh uh, what's uh, with the Mavericks um uh, 
Thank you. Luka Doncic coming up. One of the reasons why Luka had so much uh, success coming over is because he said it's way easier. Jokic said the same thing. It's way easier to score in the NBA than it was when I was playing in Eurobasket, you know, when I was over in Europe. And that's the thing you got to understand. Victor's been playing in this same league, you know, uh, playing against grown men, a very, very physical league. Coming over to the NBA, he's going to have easier runways. He's going to have wider open spaces. He's going to be playing. And, you know, on top of the fact that the NBA has really, really, really gone away from your traditional big man and his ability to post up and do what he can do at his size and then be able to step away. He's going to be, if, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be, you know, people talk about the, the, the LeBron's type impact and you talk about those types of players. He's going to have that type of impact on the league immediately. Like, I, I think there's I think no doubt. I think it's wild that we're now at the 31 year anniversary of, of the Dream Team. And aside from just how dominant they were, one of my favorite aspects whenever you, you, you delve into their history and, and how the team was put together and how they dominated the world and, and what they did for basketball internationally, it took 30 years. But, man, if Wemby pans out, we're two seasons away from the top five players in the NBA being all international. Yeah. yeah. Embiid, Joker, Giannis, Wemby, Luka. Yeah, absolutely. Who are you putting over them, any of them? Who are you putting over any of them in two years? I mean, it's it's crazy, but I like I necessarily can't argue with you. I mean, right now, uh, you know the 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 European and the overseas prospects, man, that they are dominating the NBA, and and I do. I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like you said, that fingerprint of what the Dream Team did for for European basketball. Just the fact that Europe plays a much more physical style. And now it's like the United States is playing the European style of ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what used to be the European no, and style it's showing of ball. Internationally. And it shows up internationally when we play. We're not dominating the way we used to. It's not just because the talent gap's not there. It's because American players are not as physical as European players. Yeah. <clears throat> they're, just, they're not. And that's why I would, I would like to see the developmental leagues and, and I would like to see the college game get back to more defense being stressed. That way... <clears throat> when these guys are developing, they get used to that. And, I mean, it's insane to me that you can make it to the highest level of, of your sport in America and say, man, it got easier to score. But that's what we need to do to keep up with the with the imports. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. It was just when Lucas said that it was easier to score against American defense than it was when he was playing in Europe. Like, that hurt my soul a little bit. You know, being that is school, like saying, like what? <laughs> that is like saying, I think it's really cute. Y'all bring your Ford Taurus to the Autobahn. But yeah. Let me show you how we drive over here. Yeah, like it was just. I hurt my heart. It's like, come on, y'all. You know, like I understand. You know, the NBA has and and everything, American sports especially, has geared everything towards the offense and everything towards scoring points and and those types of things. Chicks dig the long ball in baseball. They juice the baseballs. Everything is about offense, offense, offense. Um, but, you know, like it, it's gone to me, it's gone too far, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. That's why at some point they're going to get tired of watching Giannis and they're going to get tired of watching Jokic and they're going to get tired of all these, uh, you know, overseas players coming over and dominating. And just like we saw, um, you know, after Allen Iverson and crew lost that game and, and got dominated by um, uh, Ginobili in the world championships and they had to kind of put that – focus on skill 
uh, into the American game, and we, we really saw that focus on skill after 2004, um, I think we're going to have to see a return to getting more physical, and, and it's going to be kind of like Back to the Future where <laughs> the American game is going to have to get more physical because still the best athletes in the world in basketball come from the United States. But the problem is they're soft. Everybody, uh, every big man that comes out, you know, uh, of the uh, like Aaron Bradshaw is a perfect example. Aaron Bradshaw is a stretch four at seven two, you know, and all he wants to do is stand outside and shoot threes. Joel Embiid, the guy we were just talking about, you know, he he was uh, he was raised in America. He's an overseas. Um, you know, he came from, uh, I believe he came from Africa. Uh, of course, he grew yeah, up in, in, the United, in the United States. But all you want to see his big butt doing at seven foot one, two 285 pounds, all he wants to do is shoot threes. And, and it's, it's, it's like we've gone way, 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 way too far <laughs> down that road of wanting everybody want to be pretty. How about putting it back to the basket and actually being able to be physical? I mean, Joker and his ability to, you know, he, he almost – went away from trying to shoot threes to be physical. And we saw what him being able to post up and play in the middle of that defense, how that wreaked havoc on everything that Miami wanted to do. You know, and, and, and yeah. his ability to, to balance the floor and how guys were able to get wide open shots and how him setting good screens and rolling hard to the basket put all that pressure. It was old school basketball, Joe. Like, it's all it was. It, it was really old school was, basketball, man. you know. It still works. It's, a, it's amazing. Absolutely. You know, I mean, but, let, let, let's get back. But to I mean, that. it only, but it only, it only works when you have a guy who's seven foot with that kind of court vision. Absolutely. I mean, I love to hate on Joker because he's a big oaf. But watching that big oaf come out and get a triple double in the first half on you has got to be disheartening. Like I would argue, he is probably more disheartening than Larry Bird because at least Larry Bird had talked enough juice to you. you <laughs> he's like, man, he's, he's cold and he knows it. <laughs> Joker really is out here dropping trip dubs on you, getting 20 boards in the first half. And he doesn't even want to talk smack to you. He just wants to go race horses back in Serbia. That's all that man wants to do. And apparently get drunk to sell at the uh, parade. Yeah, he was up there talking about he was ready to go home. You know, and get back, you know, get get back over to Europe. He, I don't think he wants to go home anymore, uh, Joe. I, I feel like he's enjoying himself in Vegas. Man, <clears throat> we got to put together. That's got to be one of those things we do one year at the end of the finals. Just rank the uh, the the championship parade MVPs. <laughs> you know, that's not the same as the as the finals MVP. Yes, who was uh, you know like Mark Madge and come on. Oh, man. absolutely, Mark Madge. I was uh, I was gonna say that's in my top five, right? <laughs> oh, right, dude. He's 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 a captain on that team. Absolutely, uh, J.R. Smith, topless swish. Yeah. Oh, come on, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you when got they show pictures of him. When they show pictures of him two days later in Vegas, still wearing his game shorts and no shirt, I was like, "God, man, Swish is the coolest <laughs> dude on earth." Uh, and, and you got to put Meta World Peace up there, like oh, after they but, won, after the Lakers won. <laughs> I just want to thank my therapist. Oh, <laughs> I mean, come on now, like uh, those are classics that they showed that they were talking about. Um, he, they showed him coming into uh, the post-game press conference, and he was like, I can't believe Kobe Bryant passes the ball. He never passes me the ball. You know, he hit the big shot to, to, to win the championship. Right. You know, right. it's just hilarious, man. Like, uh, Ron Artest, a.k.a. Metal World Peace, man, that, that dude, like, oh, that, there's some of the, the, you know, there's those MVPs, I agree with you. Like, watching Mark Madsen try to dance like somebody's daddy. 
on the stage, man. Mm-hmm. Like those are classic moments, you know. I like it. The the post game celebration MVP. They need to make a trophy for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they absolutely need to do it. It needs to be a dude doing a cake stand. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hey, I, Joe. I tell you what, we got a, a, a call on the line. It, it's our man himself, Mister Jay. Has we gonna get him on the line and have him uh, join us? Jay, you with us? Yes, sir. How you doing, sir? Hey, good morning, brother. How you doing this morning? Oh man, I, I can do better. Yeah, oh goodness. Hey, hey, you know, got Joe Kelly back on the line with us today. Uh, Joe, you know, uh, Joe, not, the, not Joe Booker. Yes, sir. The last time I seen him, man, he had, oh, he went sideways. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> it was somebody's birthday, if I recall. Oh. Yeah, it was my birthday, man. It's good to see you, Joe. Yeah, man, you turned 25, so we had to turn up. (laughs) What you got for me this morning, Jay? Man, Rashawn. Well, you know, I've been at Folk Fest last night. Yes. I was was there from about 12 in the afternoon to about 11 last night. Man, hurt. <laughs> and I gotta do the same thing tonight. Oh wow! Yeah, man. Yeah, the station got got a you know the announcers going there on stage, doing this, doing that, all of those. You know. But I'm supposed to be uh, what, there's like about thirty vendors there. Yes. And um, so you got Fantasia. You know, the, I think Mr. James letting the, the street and Fantasia's group. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. They, they pick different vendors of what they want. James' name had to pop up, Big Mo's barbecue. But uh, man, it's just it was a great terrific folk fest, man. I miss you and Joe Haven coming down there. Absolutely. But, but man, it's just so it's just so so much sports going on, man. It's just the city's ready for you know the uh, Brown family to see what they're going to do and. Far see what Kenny Payne's going to do, and you know, just see get a little back on the map again. But see, here's the thing about life: you got to be patient yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of them kind of guys that's impatient. Just I'm a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but, but man, I'm just so excited about University of Louisville's athletic program. Man, they're doing an absolutely good job, and that, that transfer portal is, is a monster. Um, Kids come, kids go, but but the thing that's making me energized every day on social media is to seeing a young man, about six seven, six six, about a hundred and you know one one and a quarter point five pounds, uh, <laughs> named Cameron. Uh, <laughs> this young man, this young man is proving each and every day, each and every week, and uh, Joe, man, his son is, is, is tickling me to pink. and uh, this I think he's going to be one of the top kids in Kentucky. Out of his class next year, as his daddy got him on this uh, new new program that he's trying to do implement. <laughs> but I think this young man's going to be good. He got a great head on his shoulder. Uh, he got a great upside coming straight ahead in his life. You know, he's a terrific young man, man. I think this young man's going to be one of the top kids in, in Kentucky. I appreciate that, Joe. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun last night. Uh, Danny Manning was out, uh, you know, watching some of the games last night. Uh, uh, Phil Martelli, uh, you know, with the, the group from Michigan was out there. Uh, there were several coaches, Moorhead State. Uh, there's a lot of people out there. You know, it's a big tournament down in Shelbyville. 
um, this weekend, which is where um, my, myself and Holy Cross and Cam and I, all those guys are out there playing in the tournament. A uh, lot of talent. There's a lot of talent in the state of Kentucky. Um, you know, there's a lot of good teams. As I said, uh, Holy Cross uh, upset Jeffersonville Red Devils uh, last night. So, you know, great, great game. Cam had, a, Cam had a good game. Um, so it's exciting, man. I appreciate I appreciate the kind words. Uh, definitely. Uh, now, I do have a question, Jay, because I know you'd be liking to run out of here. Um, so I, I do have a question for you. And, Joe, you can chime in on this as well. What did y'all think about the um, – about the the John Morant decision, twenty five game suspension by the NBA, um, was that too little? Was that too much? Was that just right? Like, what what, what did you think about the the John Morant decision? I'm like this, Rashad. I'm gonna be real quick with you. Um, what he did in, on the first link and the second link that doesn't represent the National Basketball Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see LeBron James on wrestling guys, Kevin Durant, none of them other guys doing what he's doing. So a lot of times you get them young kids come from different types of situations, programs, whatever, household, whatever situation may be. Those are the kind of things that that that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, make too much, too much money. Not not knowing the direction how to uh, close that money, but um, I think they did a good good job at twenty five. Okay. Okay. Now, do you think do you think that that job like it like is that uh, you think he's learned his lesson? Do you think we're gonna see more of this foolishness? I know, he, you, you know. I don't, think, I don't think he did learn his lesson. Oh, you don't think so? No. No, you you think that he's he's gonna well, and that was my whole thing. Twenty five games to me, in my personal opinion, twenty five games seemed seemed a little bit light, like that. In my personal opinion, that seemed a little bit light to me. Like mm-hmm. I I I feel like. Um, there should have been more there, um, you know. I, yeah. I, I just, I, I just don't, I don't know if. I, I just, I, I don't know how to feel about that, you know. Like I, I just, I don't. Twenty five days. That's twenty five days without pay, correct? Uh, twenty five games without pay. So definitely, it's going to hit him in his pocketbook. But you know, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, Joe, Joe Kelly has to ask you back with us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, did, did, what did you think about the twenty-five games? Did you think that was that was that was just right? Do you think that was a little light, a little heavy? Honestly, man, I had no idea. Um, this is such an—I don't want to say unprecedented because it was the right. issue uh, a while back, and obviously the NBA wants to protect its image with with players um, and and firearms in a post Agent Zero world. I think the bigger the bigger issue to me is that I hope the NBA I hope Chris Paul is still the uh, the player rep, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I hope I hope a group of veterans really sit him down, and I hope they bring in guys like Zach Randolph, and Tony Allen, dudes that know the city of Memphis very well, and explain to him there's the issue of you toting guns and videos that is problematic and and troublesome and can really mess with your money, and that's dumb. There's also a thing about flashing guns in a city like Memphis that can get you shot. Yeah, yeah. This is not a game. Do not play around. This is the wrong city to do this. And if you want to continue flashing guns until the NBA uh, kicks you up, we're trading you to Utah for all those uh, all those draft picks they got, and we'll see if you can figure <laughs> out how to get in trouble in Utah. If you get in trouble in Salt Lake City, brother, you are wild. On an unprecedented level of wild. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I feel like he got off light. Like, if they would have did a half a year, if they would have did a full season, I would have been fine with it. And there, I know there's a lot of people when Haven Harrington tried to get on that, uh, you know, he tried to talk to me talking about, well, you know, you have senators toting guns and then sending out Christmas cards. But I'm like, but you got to understand the constituency that that senator is representing versus the constituency that John Moran is uh, representing is two different things. Okay, you know the the, the pro gun law people. That's what they that, that that's what they want to see. But the NBA doesn't want that image attached to their association. And you know, John ja, ja Morant's got to understand who he's representing, right? Well, not to get not to get too far off off the subject of sports, but that's an issue that's that's beyond sports. I think what Hayden said about you know you got politicians and you got representatives and Congress people that pose with AR-15s and do Christmas cards. That's a societal question of, okay, now we've hit a point where do we really want elected officials that behave in a manner that would get you suspended from the NBA or get you suspended? From no, the absolutely. I agree. That is a societal issue that, that we need to address in a separate venue from sports. Right. Um, what I'm going to stick to, and, and I guess my only opinion on it is I hope that young man gets some counseling. Uh, we've all been young and, and reckless and stupid. And uh, he's very young. He's a very young dude. You know, he's what, 23 now, 24 maybe? Yeah, yeah, tw- I think he's 24. Yeah, man, man, I see those kids at the bar all the time on college. You know, they, they're still babies. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do and, think he got off light. He got off with a slap on the wrist. And for this being his second gun-related offense in a in a year, knowing what they did to Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden, uh, like, he got off real light. He got off real light. Like, literally, Agent Zero got blackballed out of the league. Because of that foolishness in the locker room, so like Ja, I hope Ja understands that and understands that. In my personal opinion, he got off a lot easier than I would have let him off. So hopefully, he takes advantage of his second chance. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I, I hope he's I hope he's done with the trigger play videos. Yeah, please, just just please. You know, he's he tried to apparently he when he talked to Adam Silver, he tried to say that you know it was uh it was um. You know, uh, alcohol-related th- things of that nature, um, but you, you know. probably shouldn't tell somebody when you get in trouble with a gun. Yeah, I was drunk. Yeah, uh, right, <laughs> right. Like that's gonna scream. Oh, we need to get you a lot of different help. Right. Yeah. Like I, I mean, like, and you're telling your big, your boss's boss, basically. <laughs> That oh sorry man you know I just been drinking a whole lot so you know and the team isn't monitoring me and they, I just pretty much do whatever I want to do like yeah you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> the conversation Again, man, children yeah babies yeah yeah I, it's it's a mess but I, I did want to get yeah you all's opinion on that I think Jay, Jay may have popped off but Jay I appreciate the call Jay has checking in uh, but uh, Joe uh, let, let me ask you are you good to, to to hang around for 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 a little bit longer we hit this break oh yeah. Wonderful, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I'll, st- I'll be back for the second half of the, the last hour. Excellent, excellent. So uh, we're going to be right back. We're going to take our last break of the day. Uh, this is Rashawn Myers uh, here, Wake Up 502 with Rashawn, uh, and we will be back on 96.1 The Big X.
back. Welcome back in. Last segment of the show. Wake up 502 with Rashawn Myers. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. Uh, and we are chit-chatting. The, 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 like, you know what I love about uh, all of our listeners and, and uh, my co-hosts and everything else? We can actually have competent conversations about the NBA. Uh, you know, and that's always fun because I love the association and, and you know, I always have because I love basketball, you know, and, and I don't know how you can love one part of basketball, i.e. college, and not love the, the NBA. So I always say that, um, but it always just makes my little heart happy to be able to have these conversations. Uh, and, Joe, I did want to first give a big shout-out to the Denver Nuggets. We gave a, you know, we talked about uh, Nikola Jokic a little bit earlier, but just shout-out to the Nuggets. They got it done. One of the more dominant uh, – uh, playoff runs that we've seen in a while uh, you know I like I, no. oh no sir I mean one loss in 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 the in the conference finals and NBA finals we haven't seen that in a in a good long time Joe Kelly like that's impressive yeah, we've never seen we've never seen a team get to play two eight seeds in a seven <laughs> hey but you know what I, I I can't like to me the nuggets if you're gonna put an asterisk on the on the bubble year you gotta put. You gotta say yeah. Oh no! Uh, who I, play? Hey, you know what? I, I the, the fact that the, that the 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 um yeah, and I this was gonna be the conversation I wanted to have with you. So I really actually appreciate you uh, making that comment because my question is this: because the Milwaukee Bucks couldn't get their their stuff together because uh, the the Boston Celtics found a way to choke in a game seven. Uh, you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know, the, the Sacramento Kings, um, you know, or, or the other uh, top teams in the West, in, in the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, unfortunately they had injuries with their big guys, so, so they went out early. How is that the Nuggets' fault? The Nuggets went out there. They were the best team in the NBA pretty much all year. Yes, uh, both the Celtics and the Bucks had better regular season records, but I would argue the Eastern Conference had more sucky teams than the West. The West was a very competitive conference, which is one of the reasons why the Nuggets had the third best record rather than the overall best record. But in my personal opinion, they were the best team all year. So, like, the fact that they were the number one seed in the West, they held it, uh, you know, they held up their end of the bargain. How can we take anything away from their accomplishments because these other teams choked and peed down their leg? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if I can take that away from Denver, you know? Well, this is how I can. Because this is sports, man. This is what we do. We always say, yeah, but. <laughs> That's, that, we wouldn't have jobs if we didn't say, yeah, but. Absolutely. Bars, bars would, would lose service and, and, and would lose so much revenue if you weren't allowed to say, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, Absolutely. That's what barbershops were built that, on, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> you know, just good-natured banner. And I'm not talking about that. You know, it's not like you and I said, I'm going to argue against this. You argue in favor of that. I I just think it's wild that they went through two eights and a seven. Yeah. That, that to me, is just kind of head-scratching. And I don't know if it shows you that now with the play-in and, and all that that they, that they have in the playoffs and – you look around the talent, and it's a very talent-rich league. That you're legitimately you, one injury, at pretty much any position doesn't even have to be your superstar. But if it's one of your main guys, well, the delta between you and an HC just got a lot smaller. 
Absolutely. But I will say this. You know what? Everybody was hyping up the Lakers. They they, they hyped up the fact that the, that the Lakers, you know, they, they talked about after the trade deadline that the Lakers had the second or third best record in the NBA. You know, once the, the Utah Jazz and the, the Minnesota Timberwolves stupidly just gave the Lakers a, a competitive roster. In my personal opinion, uh, you know, and, and we talked about LeBron and we talked about AD and then the Nuggets go out there and make them look like a YMCA JV League team, you know, and, and sweep them. You know, now they don't want to give credit to the Nuggets when the Nuggets get that done. When the Nuggets, you know, every that was everybody's champion, right, was the Lakers. Every, all we heard was if the Lakers can get in there and if they can get by. Uh, you know the the the, uh, the Golden State Warriors. The Lakers are going to win a championship. If the Lakers can get by the Grizzlies. The Lakers are going to win a championship. But then when the Nuggets beat them, now everybody wants to say, "Oh well, they just played a seven seed." Oh no, it was the it was the superstar Lakers and LeBron James when they was out there. You know, everybody wanted to talk about the Nuggets didn't have a chance and this, that, and the third. You know. I just think it's very. It was very funny the conversation. Like I have never seen a, a team in Denver, a number one seed, get less credit for winning the championship than what they have since they got it done earlier uh, this week. I I think the problem though for a lot of people personally, this is my issue with the Nuggets. They whine too damn much. <laughs> you have to you have to win a couple. We talked about this last year in the playoffs with the Cincinnati Bengals. You got to win before you become whiny and insufferable. You've earned the right to become insufferable after you've got a couple of rings, I think. But until then, no, 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 no. And they just—they were always complaining about, oh, we don't get enough love. Uh, everything that you just said, their head coach cried about, and their GM cried about. I mean, I'm glad they won, so they—they they, they don't look as stupid. Well, I mean, you know, I, for not looking like the Bengals. I, I think that the thing is, when you look at it, their first round matchup, all anybody want to talk about was Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. In their second round matchup, all anybody wanted to talk about uh, uh, was um, uh, the uh, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. You know, in their finals matchup, all everybody wanted to talk about was LeBron and AD. And then when they got to the finals, all they wanted to talk about was Jimmy Butler and the fact that they made this run and how great a coach Eric Spolster was. So, like, they were never the, first, the, the conversation starter in any of their matchups <laughs> throughout the playoffs. And, and, like, so, I mean, while I will say, yes, they did whine, like, when they were literally getting second billing in every one of their matchups – I mean, I can kind of understand that, like considering they were the yeah, number but, one seed, right? <laughs> but Rashawn, all those guys that you talked about are more exciting than than Joker. Joker is just boring. <laughs> There's, I mean, he's seriously, and and I hate saying this, but he is. Who knew you could you could be boring and average a triple double? <laughs> <laughs> I'll argue about this fact with guys who haven't had a take about the NBA other than it sucks and they don't yeah. play defense. Larry Bird retired, and they tell me about how Joker's the greatest thing going since Larry Bird, and I'm like, Joker is great, but y'all are starting to make me hate him. <laughs> it, I'm, you, he, fans are going to are going to do the inverse of what I did with LeBron. I used to not like LeBron, mm -hmm. but then I listened to people hate on him for so long that I just said, "Y'all are out your damn minds!" Like you, you at least gotta gotta recognize greatness. I'll recognize the greatness in Joker, but you're not. I, I, he's not fun to watch. 
the highlights are fun, I guess, because like I said earlier, you're watching a circus bear do things that don't make sense. <laughs> it really there's, is. there's nobody else on that team that, that makes you go, ooh, yeah, I got to watch this. They are not. A, yeah, they are not. A, they are very much a Casper Milk Toast type team. Like none of the guys are. You know, they, they are. They just go out and play basketball. Like Jamal Murray's Canadian. You know, Michael Porter Jr. I don't know if I've ever heard him speak. You know, like they no. just they just kind of go out and just They're, play basketball. <laughs> it's Joker, three house plants and a doorknob. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, it's you know, fair. Like I understand it, but like, shouldn't it just be just the purity of the game? I mean, Contavious Caldwell Pope going out and doing his thing. You had uh, uh, Brown, uh, the, you know, the little the little point guard from from Miami, uh, going out and doing his thing. Uh, like they just they go out and play ball. They just hoop. You know, they they are boring. They are they are boring. You know, like that. That's why Joker being so. You know, him talking about I don't know what happened to my Finals MVP trophy. It was in the 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 the, the locker room, and then it just wasn't there no more. Like he definitely needed to enjoy himself. That's why I was so happy to see him having some fun in Vegas. It's like it's okay. You don't have to be serious all the time. Like I know you're Eastern European, and everybody in Eastern Europe they get that kind of moniker of just being like. <laughs> Drago, you know, but it's like you can have a little fun right. sometimes, man. You know, just let your hair he's down a, a little character. bit. He, look, he's a funny character. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, what he's just so. It, my brain can't <laughs> react to what he does. I mean, he is he's phenomenal, but I just watch it and go, how? <laughs> he looks like a YMCA maybe, player. He looks like a YMCA you player. Know, you know what? Maybe that's the appeal for the guys who sit at the bar and talk about him to me because it's kind of like that whole Rocky versus Apollo thing. The little dude thinks I could be that guy. Yeah, oh, he absolutely. Like, Joker makes it possible for any goofy, you know, unathletic kid to be able to go out there and have dreams of greatness. That's what he does. Like, how many people just say that I can't, like, Joker's doing something physically that I can't do? How many people say that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he and did. And that's what's funny. And that's another funny aspect of sports and viewing sports. Y'all can't do nothing that man can do. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just because it, it, it's not how you're used to seeing it. It's like Lamar. Just because it ain't what you're used to seeing, don't think it's not effective. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's amazing to watch, and, and the simplicity um, and the the um, consistency from which he plays. Like it's just it's unbelievable to watch him because he doesn't do anything difficult, and he doesn't you know he can't barely jump over a phone book, but the dude just gets it done, and he just he's so smart, he's so intelligent, he's such a great passer, has such great vision. Uh, he's amazing. It is like watching Larry Bird because that's one of the things about Larry is that Larry understood the game so well, um, you know, in all aspects that he just made the game look easy, and that's the way Joker plays. He just makes the game look easy, and, and I, like that's that's that. So I, like I said, I just I, I love it because sometimes I get tired of the you know a. I loved it when Giannis won the championship because it kind of, you know, was a get away from the super teams type deal. And that's the same thing I feel about mm -hmm. this Nuggets championship. I'm so tired of seeing, you know, okay, that's three scary. and four, you know, super, you know, max players trying to get on one team. I'm so tired of that. So when teams like the Nuggets win and teams like the Bucks win, it just makes my heart smile. Does that make sense? No, okay. I, now that I get. That I get. And I, I don't have an argument for that. Like that, that. That's completely reasonable and I, I don't know what happened with the NBA I, I really don't because 
I don't know outside of you and a handful of maybe three other three or four other people to talk NBA with me. Yeah, I I have to get on Twitter to discuss the NBA. None of my friends watch it. <laughs> That's None crazy. None of my coworkers watch it. None of uh, and and they just say they don't like it. They don't play any defense, and you can't really argue with that. But I'm like these people are telling me I don't like it. I, don't, I they don't play any defense, and I'm thinking, well. They juiced the offense because they got record low finals ratings when it was Spurs Pistons every year, and it was seventy eight, eighty two rock fights. Yeah. Um, so you weren't watching then. You're not watching now. Well, but what's crazy is the fi- the ratings for the finals for this Miami Heat Denver Nuggets finals. Everybody talked about how nobody was going to want to watch it. The highest ratings for the finals in five years. Really? Yeah. The highest ratings in huh. five years. Like that's that's crazy, right? Like it's it's well, that's what happens when you get an oafish white dude that's balling out, man. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. The common man. He's the common man, Joe. No, the great white hope. <laughs> like now there you got a puncher's chance. Hey, hey, you know what? So you're saying I got a shot. <laughs> hey man. Uh, hey, you know, and I get that. I get that appeal. But man. Our delegation got to do better on the on the on the U.S. side of developing talent. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. Now we that, got guys out here. We got guys out here cheering on Serbians. Hey, the, the next great hope. Uh, remember this name now. Uh, he's a 2025 kid. Cooper Flag. Remember that name. Cooper Flag okay. is the next one. That young okay. man is absolutely. He's in the same recruiting class with um, uh, Carlos Boozer's uh, kids. Uh, they're, they're both 20, uh, to 2025 20, kids, right? But, hey, Cooper Flag, everybody out there, I'm telling y'all right now, that kid is the next. He's the, he, so is he is nice. Is he going to Duke or Gonzaga? Right. <laughs> Guaranteed he'll end up at Duke or Gonzaga. Uh, you know, he may upset the apple cart and go to Iowa or something like that. But <laughs> or, or, or Utah, you know. But, yeah, Cooper Flag is going to be that next dude. My guess would be a Duke. He, he seems like a Duke kid. I mean, he's 6'10", shoots the ball, dunks on people, athletic, great size. He's a very nice player. He's a very nice player. Um, so he's kind of right. setting the internet on, on on fire. So remember that. Oh, the texter did text in and did want to say. Um, uh, he said, first of all, uh, happy Father's Day and Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. So definitely, I uh, wanted to get out there to to all the dads out there and uh, just thank you all for everything you do. Uh, you know, a, as part of the the single father delegation. You know, what I'm saying y- 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 y'all know how we hold it down. So so big shout out for that. Uh, he did also say one more thing. He says, why is KP having a basketball camp with players that went four and 28 he said is that really who you want your kids to be taught by <laughs> that's me wow that is so mean that's, that's mean that's so that, mean that was unnecessary on father's day <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean i'm like i know just, came just in with that venom at the end just, just went hard with it that's that's just terrible but joe i, I first of all let, let everybody know what's going on with you where, where they can come out and see you man before we get out of here Oh uh, yeah, I still hold it down uh, at Granville. You know, if you if you went to U of L, you got a you're a Granville alum. You got a story down here. <laughs> you can come by, holler at me uh, Thursday through Sunday. I've, it's wild, man. I've actually had a couple of our listeners come in, hang out at the bar with me, and then go, "Yeah, so you're uh, you're Joe Kelly from radio, right?" <laughs> yeah. We figured we wanted to just come in and hang out, and listen to you talk unfiltered for a while, and well, man, we've had fun. We'll be back next week. 
So come on through, say what's up. That's why I've been off for uh, the last couple months, man, doing uh, trying to get Saturdays built up down here in the summer. So absolutely, come out, be a part of it. Yeah, more the merrier. It's always a good time down there, man. You know, we have we have a great a great time. You know, the grandma they got great food. Um, so definitely get get down there and 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 check them out. And, and Joe, it's, it definitely uh, was good to to sit and be able to chat with you for a little bit today. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, anytime I get to talk a little NBA, uh, that that always just makes my heart smile. Oh, uh, but before I know we only got a, we ain't got about a minute left. Do you have any issue with Haley Van Lith coming out and talking uh, talking smack uh, on her way to LSU? Any issue with that at all? I mean, I just hope she understands that. What I kind of caught some flack for it the other night because I said she was terrible for the locker room, and I expect <laughs> the, the team to be much better next year. Um, once you do, once you do stuff like that, and I, I'm saying this from experience, you've now opened the door for everybody to air your business out too. That's fair. And uh, I do not think she was a good fit here. I I don't think it was. I just we heard rumblings last summer that she wasn't participating in team events because she was off doing her own thing with nil money. And, hey, man, get yours. Um, I'm all for that. I have never spoken ill against the NIL. But you can't be blowing off team functions. You can't be blowing off team events. You can't be acting like Mariah Carey. You're part of a team. You can't go solo in basketball. So I wish her the best with her new team. But if you want to go play for Kim Mulkey, that tells me everything I need to know about you. <laughs> there we go. Well said. Well, Joe Kelly, I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, hope for you. Hopefully, we get to uh, chat with you soon. Hey, Harrison, I know you out there somewhere. Hope you ain't crashing into no, uh, you know, sidewalks or anything. <laughs> he out there. He did call in this morning, Joe. So I give him credit for that, and he did not fall off his bike while talking on the phone. So I, I give him credit for that. <laughs> but I appreciate you, man. I appreciate everybody uh, checking in with me today. Um, thank you for uh, all the calls. Thank you for the text. Um, Jay has big shout out to you. This is Rashawn Myers. This is Wake Up 502. This is 96.1 FM, the Big X, and we'll be back.